no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Barry Centers. On today's show, we preview our week three matchup against the Chiefs and much, much more. What's going on, Perez? Yeah, what's going on? What kind of question is that? Everything's fucking going on, ain't dumb. This has been <laughs> the craziest fucking week in a long time. And you know what? It's one of those things that I'm like, yeah, we got the Chiefs coming in here in the midst of all this drama. What in the fuck, man? We don't have time for all this shit, bro. You didn't think all oh, this would go down in one week, but it's enough, man, for an entire season. Listen, man, this season's already been a shit show. <laughs> We've already talked about it, starting off 0-2. But then Wednesday comes around, right? We first get hit with the news of Braxton Jones. Your boy Braxton Jones going to IR. Who knows what that means? Does that mean he's gone for the season? Does that mean he's only going to miss the four games? But, dude, that already was one of those things dubbed that I'm like, Fuck, that was a kick in the pants. We already talked about how the offensive line hasn't been getting it done, and then you lose your left tackle. Out because of a neck injury. That is tough. It wasn't like he's been playing well. I understand he had some struggles in the first two games, but damn, like you said, Perez, when your offensive line been going through this many injuries already, and we only, what, two games in, that's a lot to deal with. I called him out last week, talked about the penalties, how he was getting bull rushed out there. But the thing is, you know, you never know what these guys are playing with. He obviously was playing with an injury painful enough that he's going to be going to IR for it. But for me, I just look at it like, God damn, like, well, what's this mean long term? Like, what are they going to do with right? What's going to happen to right tackle? See, we're back to playing musical chairs on this offensive line again, and that does not bode well going against Kansas City with them getting Chris Jones back. <laughs> so Braxton Jones, we get that news, that hurt. Like I said, who knows what the next plan up is because we're hearing potentially Larry Borum may get the nod at left tackle because he is Jones's primary backup. But then I also was hearing some rumors that Wright can end up going over to left tackle. I don't know. The only good news that we got <laughs> on Wednesday was that Nate Davis, he was back at Hallows Hall. That's the <laughs> only good news in a fucking day that was just insane, bro. Insane. It's good to have Nate Davis back. I'm hoping we get the best of him. But you're right, man. A lot happened. Nathan Peterman was released. When I heard that, I'm like, okay, so it's Tyson Bajet time. He's officially Justin Fields' backup going into this game against the Chiefs. I'm sure Peterman will probably end up back on the practice squad. But now, when you look at this situation, we've been hearing some dumbass shit on Bears Twitter where people have actually been able to utter out of their mouths the fact of, they want to see Tyson Bajan as the QB1. And I'm like, listen, guys, don't let a couple cute preseason games cloud your judgment out here in these streets now. Now, do I like Tyson? Do I think that he's got some potential in this league in the future? Yeah. But do you all think that I really think that this guy should be a QB1? What are you all smoking? Because I'm telling you, A-Dub, I don't want that shit. Keep that shit away from me. <laughs> and you know there's always – a group of people who feel a certain way when they 
are not so impressed with the starting quarterback in Chicago. We've gone down this path before and thinking that the grass is always greener with the backup quarterback, but that's not always the case. I like Tyson as well, Perez. I still think he needs time to continue to grow, but right now it's just a field's time. I understand he had a, some struggles the first two games, but there's more to that. Justin got in front of those microphones on Wednesday, and what'd he say? My man got up there for the first time in a long time, A-Dub. He looked like the Justin Fields that I was saying we were missing on Sunday. Remember I said, why would that Justin Fields that had that swagger? Right. That had that confidence. Man, Justin Fields dropped his nuts on that fucking table on that podium and was <laughs> like, listen. <laughs> he said, they got me out here playing robotic and shit. I got to be who I am. And that is the shit I've been telling you, Dub. I'm like, we have not seen Justin Fields all season. I don't know who this version of him is, but that ain't the guy that we was all coming in here saying was going to have a breakout season. Justin Fields stood up in front of those reporters, and he spoke the truth. And he said, look, they want me to do things that are not in my comfort zone. They are trying to make me a pocket passer to the point that you made on Sunday, Doug. That man want to be out there. He wants to be free. He wants to have fun. Shit, they showed a clip during the damn Bucks bears game when Levante David and DJ Moore were having a little conversation, and Levante David was saying to DJ Moore, bro, I miss playing against you, but they ain't using you right. Well, your damn opponent is talking about the way that your damn top weapon is being utilized, and then you get your starter quarterback that starts to get a little bit honest about the offensive coordinator and the QB coach. Come on, man. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I always say that shit, Doug. And Justin Fields called it out. But you and I talked about it last week, Perez. There's other things in Justin Fields' repertoire that he can do, right? The guy can get out, run very well, got the athleticism. Let him use that. Just make him in the pocket is not going to help. And he pretty much called the coaching staff out a little bit by saying, hey, let's do more. I talked to the coaching staff. He brought that up as well. But he pretty much letting everyone know that, hey, these first two weeks, I'm not happy with. There's some things they have to change. And I'm looking at myself, what I got to do to be better. And then you talk about DJ Moore. <laughs> Man, he's not being utilized right either. So the point that Justin Fields not being utilized or DJ Moore, it tells you that something is wrong and they got to find a good balance to where both players can be successful. You know what the best part about that media session was? When they said, why were you thinking too much? And he said, could be coach. But he said, but at the end of the day, it's up to him to think less and play more. So he did bring up the point about coaching, but he also said it's up to him to do what he does best, right? So now, these are the comments that are made in the morning. Then <laughs> Justin Fields calls the media back together later in the day, and he wants to walk back the statement. I'm like, no, Justin, no. What you walking it back for, baby? You said what you said. <laughs> Justin Fields did not stand on it, Prince. <laughs> he went back because he may have felt like maybe I'm throwing my coaching staff under the bus. And you know how the media will take that and run with it. So he realized I got to take a step back and say, look, do what I normally do, take ownership, but understand that, hey, it's a partnership between myself and the coaching staff, and we need to do a better job moving forward without him pretty much throwing him on the bus. And you hit it a point, Prince. He took the high road by saying what he needs to do better, right? I need to do this here, you know. They have to draw the play up for me. It's my job to decide on how I want to maneuver moving forward with that play. And I got to be able to do that, be freely, and make the decisions on what's best for this team to move the chains and hopefully get touchdowns. Now, in my opinion, Doug, you know, we've been covering this team for, for three years now, and 
part of the media for a year and a half with this team. It was very weird to have availability with the quarterback during the regular session, and then you get to speak to him twice in one day. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, Justin wanted that talk. No, I guarantee you that somebody had a conversation with Justin. It was like, hey, man, you might want to clear this shit up. You know what I'm Although oh, no, Justin just wanted to make sure that his comments weren't taken out of out of context. I'm like, no, I understood your fucking comments very clearly, very well, sir, because they were honest comments. And this is the thing. I love when players are honest. You get so many of these players when you try to ask them questions and they give you cliches. They don't really give you much because to the point that you made, Dub, they don't want to say too much because the media use their words against them. In this situation, I didn't use his words against him. I was like, hey, man, say that shit. This is everything that the fans been watching. Luke Getz is the problem. I've been saying that shit. This mm -hmm. man is pretty much telling Justin to stay in the pocket. Well, we should be letting this kid loose. You got one of the most dynamic weapons in all the NFL, and you over here telling him, um, I don't want you to do this thing here that made you dynamic last season. Oh, also, too, we're not going to put you out on the run because, you know what, we're going to have you throw from the pocket. Sorry, Lou Getze. I know that you coach Aaron Rodgers, and I know that you probably thinking, oh, well, you know, I've coached one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, so I can do the same thing with Justin. Listen, man, one of these things is not like the other. Right. You need to coach the kid in front of you and stop coaching to your fucked up scheme. And matter of fact, you need to fucking throw that shit out the window and you need to fucking come up with something from scratch that totally puts Justin Fields in positions where he can succeed. Look at the way the Colts are using Anthony Richardson. I know this is going to be a, 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 a random example, but this is a rookie quarterback out here that the coach is realizing, hey, this is uncharted territory that I have a quarterback this fucking athletic. What can I do with him? Now, mind you, the Indianapolis coach was the OC for Philadelphia who unleashed Jalen Hurts. So my whole thing here is, why are we using Justin Fields in the way that Hurts was used, in the way that they're starting to use Anthony Richardson? Like, let's stop trying to reinvent the wheel, Luke Getty. See, that's my thing. I was very happy with Justin Fields, gave an honest critique, and it's unfortunate that he had to kind of walk it back a little bit. <laughs> You hit it on the head when you talked about Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers. You're right, man. Justin Fields is not Aaron Rodgers. These are two different types of quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers can do certain things very well, and so can Justin Fields. And this is where Luke Guesty has to show that he's able to adjust. He talked about it before last year, adjusting to the strengths of Justin Fields. And here we are this season, you're really not adjusting to his strengths. You're actually trying to play to your strengths as an OC, and that's not going to help Justin Fields out. Utilize this guy's skill set. Utilize his talent. That's what helped us last season when we said Justin Fields was doing a good job, and I think Getsy got to get back to that and find a good balance because you heard Ryan Poles talk about it today, right? It is pressing. Like, hey, that got to be a balance. You know, he got some weapons. Justin Fields has that, but they got to be a balance between utilizing Justin Fields' athleticism and talent as well as playing the pocket and targeting DJ Moore, et cetera, and those other players on the team and being successful that way, but finding that key balance. I mean, yes. I still have to go back to the part where I just think that it was unnecessary that Justin even had to call the media back to his locker. Yeah. Because I don't take Justin as a guy that makes excuses. 
I don't take him as the type of guy that throws other people under the bus. Like, you never hear him saying, oh, my teammates did this. So when he was like, oh, I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches, never going to blame anything on my teammates. We don't know that about you. But it's okay for you to have an honest moment to say, like, I'm not playing like I should be playing. I'm not playing like me. We all see it. What did he say wrong? And I think when you hit it on the head that someone probably told him to have that media session, I believe it came from the front office, man, and said, we're going to be aligned after this here, you know, after you have this uh, presser. And at that point, you heard Justin Fields say a lot of different things, right, including taking ownership of how things are going, you know, as a QB. But you're right, man. That started with the front office saying, hey, we're going to make sure that, hey, at the end of the day, we are a tight bunch, and we're not going to look divisive or divided in any form or fashion. Yeah, because Justin, he did try to call the media out and say, look, I know y'all got a job to do, but he's like, put the full quote out there and don't cut it up to try to make me look some kind of way. And I'm like, all right, well, Justin, I don't really <laughs> think that anybody did that per se. I right. just think that, yes, if you look at the full quote, I understood the full quote of what you said, but on its head, to me, it still came off like a guy that was saying that I'm not playing the way that I feel comfortable playing. I also know that I need to be doing better, and I can do better. But on the surface, it seemed like a guy that feels like he's not being utilized the right way. And yeah. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. And it is what it is. Everyone can see that. Everyone saw a different quarterback out there starting the season in these first two games. And it wasn't the same to the fields we saw last season. So, yeah, it's, it's factual. And I didn't think there were anything wrong with what he actually shared. And I think the fact that he may have felt some backlash is what really caused him to really, you know, in the front office to say, hey, we got to fix this, <laughs> you know. But at the end of the day, man, the proof is in the pudding. So the fields have to be better. The coaching staff has to be better as well. And you know another thing, too? I guarantee you that they probably was like, hey, your comments were viral. That's the thing. Like I said, Wednesday was a crazy day for the Bears because you would think with the situation we had with Justin that that would be the biggest news to come out of Hollis Hall, and it wasn't even close. Because then we find out Allen Williams, who missed week two against the Bucks, which Matty Bufus was very kind of quiet and mum about even going into that week. But then we find out that Allen Williams resigns, and there's all these rumors that I'm not going to even get into what people have been putting out there. Because I think it's irresponsible journalism to do those sort of things. However, the finding out that Allen Williams resigned, that shit was so shocking. Not even going to go into the, the what people were saying happened. But I'm just saying on the surface, your defensive coordinator resigns after two games. Justin Fields goes out there, airs out the coaching staff. Braxton Jones, IR. Nathan Peterman released. I was like, what a fucking day. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is all unfortunate happened all at once. For negative and shit. For negative shit. It ain't, yep. it ain't for what we did on the field and, and, and tearing it up. It's for dysfunction, dub. And that's hard, man. That's hard to deal with. It's very tough when you hear that uh, about the Chicago Bears and what kind of media coverage is about the team and everyone just piling on prayers at this point now, you know? And I felt really bad just to even see Allen Williams, you know, resign. You know, that was, like you say, a big shocker to me because I think there are some good things about Allen Williams, even though these first couple games haven't been impressive. But I do know the coach works really hard. He put a lot into trying to help this team turn things around on the defensive end. This is what I would say about Allen Williams. I wasn't very um, impressed with him to start the season, but I would say during training camp, getting a chance to meet him and have some conversations with him, 
I thought he was a good man. Yeah. Um, that's why I was really shocked with some of the rumors that were being circulated, which is why, obviously, I'm not a big fan of rumors and all that stuff, Doug, because people will have you believe in all kind of shit about somebody, and then it comes out like, oh, somebody just made all that shit up. So yeah. I'm one of those type of people, I like to let the dust settle before I start making opinions about people, because, like, truly, none of us really know what the hell's going on. Matt Eberflus was very tight-lipped about it, Doug. They asked him specifically earlier in the day, hey, Alan Williams, I can't comment on that. It was so much weird shit that went on about the situation that we finally heard that there was a resignation. Then I'm like, well, why did they make it so weird? Why we couldn't just say that the guy resigned? Because now you open it up for all these rumors. You open it up for people to sit here and take the truth and turn it into something else. In the man's letter, he says he walked away for health. And family reasons. So if that's what he said in his letter, that's what I'm going to take it as until we are told otherwise from reputable sources. And there has to be some proof around that to support those alleged allegations, you know, of something going on. But to your point, the one thing you don't want to do is assassinate anyone's character, you know? And I think that is something that could potentially have occurred, you know, in that span of those rumors. And I kind of felt bad for a guy who said that, hey, I'm dealing with family and health issues, and to hear your name is being slandered like that. It's always tough. And again, man, that's just the type of time that we're in where people do that, and it's unfortunate. Um, the people out here that, that spread those lies and rumors, they know who they are. And uh, you'll have to deal with that. You'll have to look at yourself in the mirror. But I'll tell you one thing, me and Doug, we're not going to participate in that type of stuff. That's not what we do over here on this platform. We speak the truth on this microphone until we know otherwise. We're going to take Alan Williams and the Bears organization, at least on this situation, we're going to take them at their word. This other shit, oh, we coming for the Bears. <laughs> when it comes to something like this, this is real life. This is a man's life, a man's reputation. Yeah. You don't play with people's reputations now. That's not cool. And that's why I say I really feel bad for him because no one deserves that type of treatment while they're going through something in general. So I just hope that everything goes well with him his help and with his family. And therefore he's able to bounce back and get back out to coaching again. But now with him no longer in the mix, I wondered if Matt Eberflus is going to continue to call plays or if John Hulk is going to be elevated to interim defensive coordinator. It'd be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out. Doug. I suspect that, that uh, Matt Eberflus may decide to remain, you know, calling the plays on defense. You never know what may happen in the future. Yeah, probably for this week, he'll probably, especially with it just this all just being like a short week with all the nonsense that's been going on. Yeah. We got the Chiefs coming in here, high-powered offense. So he'll probably want to, you know, kind of keep things close to his vest. But I think going forward, from what we were told about Matt Eberflus, he prefers to have like the CEO approach to coaching. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he'll probably want to give that position off to somebody else. But at least for week three, you're right. I think he'll continue with the play call of duties. But well, we could possibly, like you say, see some changes in the near future. Now, we always talk about Ryan Poles on this show. Now, when you look at a day like Wednesday, that can't be a good day for your GM. Definitely can't be a good day for your team president and Kevin Warren as well. But to make matters even more crazy is that Wednesday was Ryan Poles' birthday when all that shit was going on. I can imagine he had a very good day on Wednesday. Man, I know that's not funny at all, but to wake up to all that kind of noise, that's a messed up birthday, bro. 
he, I'm sure he was already up when the Justin shit happened, and because I'm sure he had to talk to Justin. But just that whole day, hey, imagine him trying to have some dinner and enjoy that. You can't enjoy that. No, man, you can't enjoy that. No cupcakes, no cake. <laughs> you ain't gonna be to enjoy that moment, man. You like put that in the fridge. I I say for another week, you know, because right now I'm not in the mood. When he came out today, Dub, he he just talked about how there's a lot of noise out there, and that. They're choosing to, you know, try to focus on the task ahead of them, which is beating the Chiefs, right? Yeah. And he's trying to show leadership in this very tough time. Because I'll tell you one thing, man. You saw it about writing. When I talked about Matt Eberflus and how I think that he should be on the hot seat, days like Wednesday don't help Matt Eberflus's cause whatsoever, man. Because I'm looking at this shit, whatever the hell's going on with Alan Williams, it was clear in the comments that Justin Fields made. There's obviously a disconnect that's going on. Yeah. Jalen Johnson went on the radio. He's talked about the what losing has kind of done and, and how he's tired of losing. Dude, you have a lot of proud guys on this team. This is not guys that are going to be okay with having another 3 or 14 season, they eh, do. I'm glad the players are speaking up because if you're a true winner, you will get frustrated with losing. And a lot of these players come from winning cultures, right? And all of a sudden, get with the Bears, they're not doing so well. And it, it starts to weigh on them mentally, right? And physically. Like, look, we got to turn this thing around. I'm not happy with losing. I don't feel like coming to work when we continue to lose like this, you know? So I'm kind of glad that they all speaking up, saying that, hey, some things got to change. And I do applaud Ryan Poles for coming out, speaking out, you know, of, like you said, trying to show leadership. He pretty much saying that, hey, no one is panicking in the building. You know, our president, head coach, and himself, you know, the players, everyone is focused on solving the issues at hand. I get all that. But at the end of the day, this team got to turn around and start putting together some wins. I like the fact that he even brought the fact of what the Chiefs did in 2015, Chris, when they started right. 25. Right. I give him credit on that part because at that moment, the Chiefs did come back and have a good season. They what, went 11 and 5. They also made the playoffs. Won a wild card game, beat the crap out of Texas, and lost to the Patriots. So he has a point, right? And he's seen how a rocky start have happened and turned into a success. I'm not saying Bears is going to do that, but it does. I understand his optimism of why he thinks that hey, we can get through this going forward. I mean, it sounds good when he said all that, Dub, and that's a hell of a point you brought up. Yeah, when he did say nobody's flinching, and great, that's leadership, right? right. That's what I want to hear because that shows you he ain't ducking the smoke. In the past, Ryan Pace, they would have been able to find him. They'd be like, hey, can we get a quote from Ryan Pace? And Ryan <laughs> Pace is speaking to the media. He's like, what? All this shit going on that you ain't got nothing to say? So I give Ryan Pace credit because he did duck smoke. He's not hiding. My man's like basically like, look, I'm here. I'm here to be the leader of this damn organization. The front office stands united with the coaching staff and the players. Okay, great. I, I I respect it. I love it. But at the same time, just know that the fan base is tired of the losing. And I know the players in that locker room are tired of the losing. You know a guy like Justin Fields, he's been with us since he's in high school. And I think Ryan Poles even alluded to that. Well, after a certain time, that shit weighs on a guy. Justin Fields isn't used to this type of culture. When he was in college, he wasn't losing games. He had lost more since he's been in the NFL, that he did probably his entire life. That shit don't work for some people, man. 
Justin ain't no loser. And this organization trying to turn them into one. And that's why Justin's probably over here like, no, y'all better stop playing with me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Doug? He's like, y'all stop playing with me. Shit. He's right. You know, losing 12 straight, that don't sit well with nobody. And possibly could lose 13 straight, right? It ain't going to sit well with any player, man, like, like a Justin Fields who's been winning. So I understand his frustration. And he realized that, hey, this must change. This has to change. And I like the fact when you brought up how he was at the podium, man, talking to the media, it just shares, it just proved the point right there that, hey, enough is enough. Overall, I, I mean, I appreciated Poles getting up there. He didn't say anything groundbreaking or earth shattering. But like I said, it's just important that he addressed everything that's gone on. Wednesday was unprecedented. We can sit here and say, well, at least he spoke, right? <laughs> right. Because to have that type of noise coming out of your damn facility on a random Wednesday, that's a lot. So the point that you made earlier, the fact that the Bears are being so talked about on all these national shows, it wasn't for nothing good. It's laughing stock type shit. It's dumpster fire type shit. I guarantee you, man, the players in that locker room are sick and tired of being made a joke. Stephen A. Smith was talking shit about the Bears. Jaquar Brisker liked his post. Hopefully, the players in that locker room will unite after this. Hopefully, they use the words of the national media as bulletin board material to come together. Shit, use the words that, that me and Dub are said on the show about y'all being fucking terrible this season. I don't give a fuck what y'all got to do. I just want to see better football. I mean, they were 3-14 and 14 last year, but they were competitive. Yeah. I don't know what the hell this shit been this season. That's a good point you made there, Perez. But at this point, <laughs> we haven't seen that really competitive football. This team have been hearing a lot of trash talking about how bad they've been playing. You're right, Perez. They should be taking note and writing down all the names who wrote them off and therefore be able to say, look, uh-huh, you the one talking about us? We heard you loud and clear. Take it as fuel to do better and be better. So as far as this upcoming matchup. I think we've talked enough about the drama. I know the fans are probably like, Prince Dub, get to the game. All right, y'all, <laughs> we, we here now. Shit. But, <laughs> but the injury report. Now, you and I talked on our recap show about Eddie Jackson, Darnell Mooney, Jaquan Brisker not finishing the game. So Eddie Jackson with the foot didn't practice on Wednesday, Dub. But we got some good news because Darnell Mooney did come back in a limited fashion. However, Lucas Patrick, on the opposite side of the, of the coin, didn't practice with illness. So going into this matchup against the Chiefs, at least you got your boy Money Moon that looked like he's trending to come back and play. I hope my boy Money Moon play, man. And you know it's a big game. We all know it's a big game. And I would love to see him get out there and give it a go. And it'll be another weapon for Justin Fields because he'll need it. Josh Blackwell, who potentially is probably going to replace the injured Kyler Gordon in the slot, he had a limited practice. He's out with that hamstring, or he was out with that hamstring. We know how those hamstring injuries are, soft tissue injury. They can yeah. be tricky. But seeing that he was back in a limited capacity, bodes well going against these Chiefs, man. I'm hoping Blackwell can give them something. But you get a point, though, man. When it comes down to those hamstring injuries, you can re-aggravate it in the game. So I hope that he's fully healthy 
entering the game because this Chiefs team, as you and I both know, man, no joke. Now, they got a couple notable guys that I saw pop up on their injury report. Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, this guy's fast as a motherfucker. <laughs> but he's been dealing with a bit of, speaking of hamstring injury, he's dealing with his own hamstring injury and another speedster. Kadarius Tony, Yeah. He popped up today on the injury report with a toe injury. And it's been late enough in the week that this injury probably happened during practice. And he might be trending that he might not play in the game on Sunday, which I'm not going to sit here and feel any sort of way about that if it happens that way. That's one less weapon. We got to worry about Mahomes having in that game on Sunday, bro. But you're right, man. They have been a loaded team anyhow. So I'm quite sure, you know, Patrick Mahomes always looking to find somebody. But yeah, man, if he's down short a weapon or two, that's good for the Bears. At least give us a chance. No shit, because I talked about it earlier with that damn defense getting Chris Jones back. I was hoping Chris Jones would have kept holding out at least past this damn game because he came back in week two and got participated. No training camp practices, no preseason games, goes out there and puts up one and a half sacks last week against the Jaguars. And I'm looking at our offensive line, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm disappointed in his agent. Like, come on, man. You couldn't make him hold out longer, man. You ain't doing your job right now. He got him paid. He was doing his damn job. He got him paid. It's, it sucks to see that guy, Chris Jones, out there to face the Bears because we know he's the real deal, man. And with our offensive line struggling the way it is, and like you already said, with these musical chairs going on right now, man, this dude, this dude could possibly have a field day against us, Perez. So, yeah, man, no one wants to see a Chris Jones out there and see him do his thing. You saw what he did to Trevor Lawrence. I mean, <laughs> they got a better offensive line than us. And not just him. Mike Dana, and they got a rookie, Felix Azuba, over there. Hey, I watched tape from that last game. Those guys are out there putting pressure on quarterbacks, getting sacks. So this is my whole thing. That's going to be a real big key for how we can even have a chance in this ball game is if we can keep Justin Fields upright in that pocket. This is something we've been saying all season, but it doesn't change. We can't no. have this quarterback man running for his life. Every game when I watch the film, Justin's running for his fucking life back there. And you threw out here possibility of Larry Bourne probably oh, being our left tackle. Oh, he going against what, George Karloftis? Man, that could get worse. That dude been playing some good ball as well, man. So you're right, man. Those guys for Kansas City battling in the trenches, bro. So it's going to be tough, man. That's going to be real key for them. We just brought up the Chiefs defensive line going against that Bears offensive line. That's going to be a tough one. But give me one of your keys. One of my keys to this game is, it's a very obvious one, it's Travis Kelsey. And the reason why it's an obvious one, because he's one of the main targets for that quarterback. And Mahomes always look for him, Perez. How do we slow yeah, this guy better. down? You, you better. <laughs> you talk about Tremaine Edmonds, Eddie Jackson. How are you guys are going to work to slow down Travis Kelsey, if he's going to get nine or ten targets for his, we got to be better with that because you know he's going to be the guy he's looking for to bail him out for a touchdown, the red zone, and all those different things. So we got to find a way to slow down Travis Kelsey. When I when I think about that offense, I feel like he's the engine that, that right along with Mahomes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to your point, you know that that's Mahomes' primary target out there. So put your main Edmonds on him. And blanket Kelsey to the best of your ability. Because I'll tell you I mean, one thing, man. You cannot let this guy get loose. Because we've seen that story before when it comes to a Travis Kelsey. He will fucking punish you over the seams. And they will spread him out wide and use him as a wide receiver. That's the yeah. thing. I don't even call him a tight end. 
That dude just a weapon. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like how you call it, Alfred. And you're right. It, it's, it's, he's, he's a tough cover, bro, because he's strong as well. He run very good routes, man, and got great hands, right, as we know. So he's he's he is who he is. You cannot let him slip out in play action. We saw the Packers do that shit against us in week one. If you allow Travis Kelsey to do that shit to us, it's going to be fucking game over. I would love in this game, honestly, to see us go with more three safety looks. That will kind of give us a better chance, I think, in coverage on a guy like Kelsey. It seems like every route he takes or wherever he go, he's being shadowed by somebody, bro, that's really close to him. And hopefully, I know Patrick Mahomes don't make many mistakes, but you will try to force him to make it one, trying to target a guy in that type of scheme. I sat in on Patrick Mahomes and his media availability this week, and he spoke about the fact that he wants to get the running game going. And I'm looking at that shit, and I'm like, well, fuck, man. I hope not. <laughs> because to his point, Pacheco only ran the ball 12 times, but he ran for 70 yards. And if you look at that, that's a really good average, five and a half yards per carry. And what Patrick Mahomes is basically asking his offensive coordinator to do on Matthew Nagy is to get the running game going. We, we've never heard that before when it comes to Nagy, have we? Right. <laughs> anyway, no more shade towards Matthew. But the point of me saying that is Patrick Mahomes probably wants to open this up because he knows if they get that running game going, it's going to open up that passing attack for them where he'll be able to take those shots to Kelsey. Skyboard. Isaiah is, is low-key. I mean, because the, we know how good the guy really is. But, man, he's impactful, though. When he run the ball effectively, bro, he gives them a whole different identity. You're right. Opens up everything for them, man, the passing game. And he plays very well off Mahomes. So his fast ass get going, Perez. It can be a long night, man. So I think the Bears really have to be careful. And I understand he's probably, you know, um, a little banged up. He still can be a threat in the run game, man. And that's a guy you really want to slow down. This is the thing, man. They eased him into the season because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. Now he's got the hamstring. But I'll tell you one thing, man. If he plays on Sunday, he's definitely going to be a guy I'm going to be zoning in on because that combination of just toughness and speed. I mean, when you think of guys like that, you just think, oh, he's just a fast runner. No, this dude, he runs the ball tough. He will punish you. So when Holmes calling for the, the running game to be opened up a little bit more, that's the one that kind of perked my ears up a little bit. I'm like, oh, what'd you say, Patrick? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I got a Creed Humphrey, a Trey Smith. Those two guys, man, on that offensive line do a good job and open up some nice holes, man, in the run game. If they get that run game going, woo, I just hope that our defense is ready to go to war in the trenches. I think the biggest thing in the one that is probably going to be a no-brainer to people is I think Luke Getty needs to cater the game plan to what we do well offensively. Obviously, I said what I said about Justin Fields and his comments about coaching. But I still think part of that to me is true. We don't want the quarterback back there just thinking, 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 right? There's so many plays that I saw in that game where people were wide open. And I don't know what the hell Justin was processing in his mind. He wasn't throwing the ball. He's just sitting there taking sacks. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Right. You don't know what type of shit is going on in his head. And he's probably thinking, well, I've been coached to, to see it this way. And no, dude. If DJ Moore is running open across the seam of that fucking defense, you throw that fucking football to DJ Moore. I don't give a fuck what they're coaching you to do. That's my point. 
If DJ Moore likes the ball in a certain spot, Luke Getze, you get him the ball. In that spot. If your offensive line can't block pass a certain amount of time, then the plays need to come in quick and hot. You need to get your quarterback on the run, moving pockets, designed runs, the things that we saw last season. Incorporate that into this offense. Give this kid a chance. Give this offense a chance. Get the running game going. The running game's been stagnant. This is Luke Gessie's time to show us something here. Your damn quarterback called you out. The fan base has been calling you out. The media has been calling you out. What's up? I do believe that the run game has been underutilized for the Chicago Bears, whether it's Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson. Look, they got to get that established if they want to have any chance of getting that passing game really going. You're right. DJ Moore has to be involved in the passing game for sure. Hey, I don't care if you're targeting him the entire game. You got a DJ Moore, you got to utilize him. Let him go ahead and eat. As Perez and I talked about in the last episode, if the guy got to get 150 yards or 200 yards, oh, well, so be it. This is what helped the Bears' offense go. So Luke Getsy is going to have to do a good job calling this game because you hit a point about Justin Fields. He ain't going to have no time to think, bro. Either you're going to make a decision or you're going to get the hell up out that pocket, bro. And that's it because this Kansas City Chief team, they coming in hot, man, for real. So Justin's going to have to act much faster, much quicker, and make some shit happen. Exactly. And my thing is, too, hey, while I'm okay with them targeting DJ Moore early and often, don't forget about your boy Money Mo. Yeah. Spread the football around. Don't forget about Cole Komet. Call plays that Justin Fields is comfortable with. Call plays where you know, hey, look at that first drive they had against the Bucks. Yeah. Obviously, there were certain things on that drive that Justin felt comfortable with doing, and he did that shit. He executed with perfection. Look at that shit and continue to call plays like that. To those point, the running game has to complement that. Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, they both need to be pounding that football. Both of them. And Luke Gassi really got his hands full in this game, Perez. But Luke got to show us, man, that he can call a good game. And so far this season, you and I talked a lot about him, what he has not been able to do. This is his time now to turn the corner so we can really see. But this is the time right now where, hey, you got to make some strides. And Luke, we're putting you on blast right now, man, because you're going to be a key component to how this game is going to be played. Listen, man, he's been predictable as fuck all season, right? And yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? So my whole thing is we need to see something different. We need to give the Kansas City Chiefs a different look. Because so far, both teams already knew what was coming. Levante David said it after the fucking Bucks game in his locker room. He said they knew what they were going to do. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you smart fans out there knew what they was going to do in that situation. Lou Getzi, man, I'm telling you. Come on, bro. Because if this thing goes to 0-3 and, and we get embarrassed on Sunday, shh. <laughs> Ain't no telling what's going to come out of my mouth on Sunday. That's all I can tell you. Luke just going to have to figure this whole thing out, bro. Because when you are a predictable coordinator, man, <laughs> you start to lose credibility easily, quickly, bro. And I think with Luke, you want to turn that around. Look at, like Perez talked about, that first drive, what made it successful. Don't get comfortable. Once you make a good call, make some great calls, keep that shit going. Keep that momentum going. Don't get off what you're currently doing that get made it successful. Don't start doing other stuff, man. 
stay with it. Stay within the game plan. And I'm quite sure some great things can happen. I want to see Justin let loose, right? I want to see him playing free. I want to see him smiling out there. When the last time you see Justin Fields smile on the field? He looks so damn serious. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like the joke. Why so serious? Why so serious? Man, this is a game you were playing your whole life, Justin. I know you don't like to lose, but man, I want you to go back out there to have fun, man. I want to see him smiling. Come on, man. If we see a smile on Justin Fields out there, man, that, that's going to be scary for them Chiefs. Because that means that he's comfortable again and he's being true to his word by saying that he's going to show us the Justin Fields that we haven't seen this season. Because this Justin Fields last year, Dub, was one of the most dangerous players in all of football. You can't tell me otherwise. When he would decide to take off and run and he get to that second level of your defense, it'd be oh shit. Mama, there goes that man. Let him go back to doing what he does best. You got I'm to, okay bro. with him mixing in the passing. But let's not take away what this kid does better than most. Most quarterbacks, when they hear Mahomes coming to town or you going to his town, you're like, oh, shit, I got to play my A game, right? I can't go in here having a bad performance because you know what kind of quarterback you up against. We know the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, championship caliber team, right? So if you don't play your best, like you said earlier, you can get blown out. So Justin Fields already knew they're coming in, right? And that's part of the reason why he kind of went up a little bit, you know, with the media about how he felt frustrated with everything in a way, you know, because he know that, hey, our next game is not against any old body. It's to defend the champions. Right. We got to go out there and play better, man, including myself. And I don't want to go out there and stink up the field. I want to go out there and play my best because I know one of the best quarterbacks, arguably the best quarterback in the game, I got to go up against. It may not be a matchup versus Justin Fields versus Mahomes, but you know how this fan base, they're going to make that comparison. You're going up against a guy like that. So what do you do? And, of course, it's going to be talked about. And you know Mahomes always gets up for these type of games with us because we didn't draft him. Yeah. And I ain't getting into all that, but we know that, that Mahomes still feels some kind of way about that. Now, Mahomes, you're doing just fine over there, bro. You're doing just fine. <laughs> all that winning and all that money you're making, you don't want these problems over here. But I still think he uses that for a little chip on the shoulder. But – to the point that we both have been saying about Justin, I think he's at his best when he's running around out there. Yeah. I think also it gives defenses something to look at. Also, it gives the safeties and the linebackers a reason to be really zoned in on him. And then when he has them thinking, oh, shit, he's going to come out of the pocket and run, then it opens up for him to take those deep shots. Justin Fields and that deep ball accuracy that we talk about so much, we haven't seen that because Luke Getz—he's calling these fucking soft ass, conservative ass plays. We need to open up this offense, but it starts by allowing Justin to play free again, by getting the running game going. Open it up. I would love to see a deep shot or two to Mooney, to DJ Moore, to Claypool. You got all this speed, but we ain't using it. What's the point? You don't want to waste it. You don't want to waste Justin Fields' speed. And I like when you're going with that, Perez, but getting them out, having to run, because what that does with Justin Fields, Perez, those scramble plays, man, that's when he's lethal, bro. We've seen some great plays out of Justin Fields last season, man. My last key, put some fucking pressure on Mahomes. <laughs> I, know, I know we said that against 
the Bucks and Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield was making us look silly. He shrugging off people and getting out of the pocket. Even though he looked slow as hell out there, he was escaping all type of pressure. We need to put Mahomes on his ass. Now, everybody on that defense, the only one that's been kind of standing out to me right now is Andrew Billings. Yeah. No one else to me has done shit. We got to get after the quarterback. Got to get after the quarterback. I want to see, you know, what a Gronkway can do, man. Showing they can get, get back there and, and put pressure on the quarterback. But I want to see him do that dominantly, you know. It may be going up against Donovan Smith, you know, their left tackle. Go at the guy, man. Make something happen. The pressure got to be there. We can't let him Mahomes pick you apart all game. No, and I think that we're going to see probably more Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens in this rotation on Sunday as well. Um, I think that that is going to bowl very well for us. I'm not even going to take shots anymore at Justin Jones. He is who he is. I just want to <laughs> see those guys get more snaps. And also, one of the things that I did like the Flutes did in a game against the Bucks, he did a decent job of sending pressure in select situations last week. So yeah. I'm hoping – that he puts a little bit more of that type of pressure against Mahomes, gives him something to think about. Now, Mahomes has seen every type of defense possible, right? We know that guy's like a fucking computer. He knows he knows it all. Right. But, you know, try. You know, that's all I can say, try. <laughs> I'd rather you try than you don't just let the guy pick you apart. Hey, look, sometimes you got to throw out, go for the knockout punch, man, instead of just sitting there and taking the punches. So I hope that that's what even Flues can do, man, mix some things up. Throw some blitz out there, Perez. Hey, whatever it takes to try to apply some pressure. But you're right, man. If you get Mahomes thinking a little bit, hey, if he beats you on some plays, that's part of the process. All right, man. We are here. Score prediction time. Now, according to DraftKings, Chicago Bears are a 13-point road underdog. A-Dub, what say you? Yeah, man. I think the Bears probably going to lose by a couple of TDs. I think the score is going to be 28-14. to 14. I think the Bears will get on the scoreboard. It's a tough defense they're going into, but I just think Mahomes and those guys, man, are going to put together some touchdown drives, and um, it is what it is. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I I think that we'll probably see an improved Justin Fields. However, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think this is going to be KC 31, Chicago 14. Uh, This game right here, I'm going to be looking at it and and trying to see are we making improvements on – both sides of the football. Yeah. I'm going to be looking at certain guys and seeing how they rose to the occasion. I don't think we're going to win this ball game. I think we're going to go to 0-3. But I'm really going to be looking to see who wants it. I see any lopes out there Sunday, you're getting called the fuck out. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and I'm really paying close attention to our secondary press. I want to see if they up for the challenge too, man. If they can hang in there, tough, physical. They can battle. So you're right. Everyone has the spotlight on them going into this game. And you're right. I just want to see some improvement. Well, audience, and we're going to have a game recap for you guys Sunday night. Go Bears. Go Bears. Let's go out there and show that we're an improved team. Yeah, Dub, I I love that enthusiasm. Uh, I really hope they surprise both of us. I really do. But audience, we appreciate you guys and your continued support. Thank you guys so much for the words and the encouragement that's still been coming over after our 200th episode. That's been dope and it's been amazing. But hey, we got 200 more coming for y'all. We are out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.